Hi, this is Pastor Rick. Welcome back to On Demand. You know, I love On Demand because you put the Word of God in your hand and hundreds, thousands of people listen to this and they get a chance to get the Word when they want it. Today, we're going to talk about something you, you will like. It's about expectations. Have you ever had moments when you had to manage your expectations? You had one view, but it didn't work out. You wonder why? Why am I where I am? Why did things work the way they worked for me? It's a great study that will show you how to manage your expectations. We'll start in the book of Acts chapter 1 where they have some expectations and we'll show you how they manage them. And then I want to show you how to get to where you want to be. I got some tips for you that will help you today. So stay with me. Link it. Send it to a friend if you think they need the same sermon. It will be a blessing to them and I'm sure it will be a blessing to you. Stay right there. We're going to get into the Word today and I'm going to take you on a journey. Acts chapter 1 is where we're going to begin. And I want to show you something that I think is important about the word expectations. Our theme today is managing expectations. Everybody has expectations. And I want to end this series of three sermons. I want to talk to you about how you manage that. And I will, next week, we're going to take a step aside and talk about God's expectations. And, and, and I believe there are three things we're going to confront. You ready? So I'm going to show you what they are. Number one, put them on the screen for you. Today, we're going to talk about confronting the timing of my expectations. Today is all about timing. You had certain things, certain calendar dates you had in your mind. And you said, I believe that on January 3rd, God's going to give me this by 2021. Well, it didn't work out. So why? We'll talk about timing today. Next week, we're going to talk about the, the, your God expectations, confronting God's expectations of you. When, you. when you sit back and you think about what does God expect of you? What does he want from you? And, and we're going to take a journey, and, and you don't want to miss this. It's going to be a great study about God's expectation. And then lastly, I love this third one. It's going to love this. It's about confronting what I have done and my expectations. So some things I, I'm expecting, but did I do enough to get at? So I want to confront that, all three. So d don't miss this. All three are going to be great. But let's talk today about timing. Can we pray together first? Father, I pray today's message would inspire and lift hearts and minds to a place of faith and confidence. That as we look today at the word, that you will speak to us and give us insight about how we manage the time, this timing thing we've got going on in our heads. The things we want you to do for us, but the timing may be off. And there's, and there's a lot of pain that comes when we're frustrated because we thought, I thought I'd be there by now. I thought I'd be right here in the middle of this, but now I'm not. Why am I not there? So I pray today that you'd help us as we think this through in Jesus name. Amen. Now, what I want to do is I want to take the book of Acts chapter one. I want to start at verse seven. There are 11 verses that I, I think the first 11 verses are really great. You can read it on your own in the book of Acts. But I want to start in verse seven, because in verse seven, and there's this great introduction where he talks about, you know, they're gathered in one place and and he's writing. And I'll mention it in a minute to this great guy named Theophilus. And Theophilus is a Roman leader, and Luke is the author of this book, and he has written two books. One is the God, St. John, St. Luke, rather, not St. John, St. Luke, and then the book of Acts. And both were written to one guy, Theophilus. And if you download the sermon notes, I put a little footnote in there for you so you can see a little bit about him, but I'll read this more in a moment. But I want you to see the bottom line of the big point here in Luke's writing is an observation that he makes in verse 7. Because in verse 7, he shows that they had one expectation, but it wasn't realized. Look at this text, Luke, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 1. I'll get it right here, verse 7. He said to them, Jesus is talking, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set 
by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. Wow. Here the disciples have been working, walking with Jesus through three years, three and a half years of real challenge. Died, he rose from the dead, and so now there's this conversation that they're having. And what you're going to see is this incredible disappointment, this, this moment of challenge. So let me take you on the journey so you can see the full context of that verse. But the main thing I want you to see is they look at him and they see that he's not giving them what they expected. The dates and the times, when he's going to establish his kingdom, his long-term plan. He said, it's not for you to really know. And I'll come back to that in a moment. But I want you to think about what that's like. And some of you say, I can relate to that. Because I had expectations. I had things that I thought were going to work out a certain way, but it didn't. So why? Well, let me take you back to Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Let me show you the context of this conversation, and you'll see how it all fits together. First thing I want you to see is the setting. This is the setting is a is a conversation between Luke and a guy named Theophilus, who is a Roman leader, somebody that they felt needed to know the truth about Jesus, because there were a lot of rumors. People were saying things that weren't true. For example, communion. They said that when Christians partake of communion, they were being cannibalistic, that they, you know, trying to drink his blood and it was ugh, bad stuff. And they were lying. They said, Jesus wanted to take over the world, take over the, the Roman Empire, because he said that this temple will be destroyed. And he talked about a new kingdom coming and all. And so people distorted what he said. So the book of Luke, the gospel, was written to help Theophilus, this Roman leader, understand the truth. And he said, let me show you what Jesus did in Luke. Those are the works of Jesus. And then what, he, what happened after he died uh, and rose again. So there's that two, two-sided message that's happening. And I want to read for you the conversation. And I always love this. I, I read this in college first time. I read it slow and noticed the words. So listen carefully. Acts chapter one, verse one. In my former book, referring to the book of Luke, the- Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. See, until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles. He had chosen verse three after his suffering. He presented himself to them and gave some convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. Think about that now and spoke about the kingdom of God. So he mentions, you know, Theophilus. Let me give you a a background so you're clear about that. Then he goes on in verse four. He mentions now the baptism that Jesus talked about, the baptism of the spirit. And what's interesting is when you get to the next part of this conversation, there's this Sort of a moment when the disciples are in this engaging conversation and he tells Theophilus about what Jesus said to the disciples. Verse four, look at the text, uh, Acts one. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do you leave? uh, Do not leave rather Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which he had, which you have heard me speak about for John Listen carefully, baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, uh, Lord, um, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom? Now, I want to pause there and I want you to think with me for a minute. So he tells Theophilus, hey, you know, let me show you what Jesus began to do and to teach. I want you to be clear about what he did and when he did it. 
And then I want you to also be clear what he said to the disciples. He told them to go to Jerusalem, hang out there, wait until until the Holy Spirit comes and you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, in, in Luke's description of it, you can almost see the disciples kind of skip over that part. Jesus said, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, Pentecostals get excited about that. But the disciples were like, we don't want to talk about that. We want to talk about you establishing your kingdom, like conquering the Romans, taking over and uh, putting us in charge. That's what we want to talk about, because that's what we always believed the Messiah would come and do. Now, so you you almost, uh, you know, when you hear this, read this, you think, well, what 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 is this baptism in the spirit stuff? What, What we want to know about the kingdom. That's not what we expected. Pause right there. That's not what they expected. This conversation makes no sense. This conversation is who knew who knew what a baptism. Look, they knew what baptism was. You know, you go down in the water it means to dip, dipping. So they okay, so dipping us in the spirit. What does that mean? Now, what's really amazing is people, depending upon your, your background, you, you get really excited because, I mean, oh, I know what that means. That means speaking in tongues. Yeah, they, ha, la, la, there you go. So <laughs> I'm not making fun of it, but I'm just saying because I'm, I'm a Pentecostal in doctrine. But I'm just saying that that's what we think it means. We take our cultural. It's one of the things we do a lot. And I'll talk more about this in the next sermon. We tend to take our culture and we, we hear the scripture through the lens of our culture. How we think, how we feel, how we see. So if you're a Baptist, you hear it one way. If you're a Catholic, you hear it one way. If you're a Pentecostal, you hear it one way. If you're an unchurched, non-Bible church person, uh, like I was for the first 15 years of my life, you would hear it another way. Or not hear it at all, because you don't, you don't understand any of the language. And um, <clears throat> I'll stop there, because I can say a lot about that. But let me press on and say this. So there's this conversation. The disciples are confused. They're not sure what's going on. And... Um, so and then Jesus in verse seven, the verse we already read, but let me read it again. He says to them, uh, verse seven, it's not for you to know the time or the date. OK, so are, are you going to establish your kingdom? Verse six. Right. And then he says, none of your business. Uh, OK, we can talk about that for a minute. Right. Three and a half years we've been following you around. Three and a half years we've been, you know, Kind of uh, maybe not doing our businesses full time. Um, I don't really believe the disciples completely stopped working. That's just my personal view. I don't see you know, enough proof to say that. But bottom line is they were with Jesus a lot, traveled a lot with him, gave up a lot. And so, you know, OK, so you're not going to establish your kingdom. What is all of this about? That becomes the question. Right. Well, watch the next thing here. Then the, 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 most, <laughs> the most amazing thing happens. He leaves. You ever had somebody leave unexpected? Somebody said, oh, yeah, my husband, my wife. Okay, I know. Some of your friend, right? But in this moment, Jesus leaves. And I want you to watch this. So the Bible said, verse 9, after he had said this, Acts 1 and 9, after he had said to them, I'm not going to tell you, it's not for you to know the dates or the times. That's in the hand of the Father. And he said this, I'm going to fill with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Uh, You'll be witnesses for me. What does that mean? Um... He used the word martyr. You're going to be a martyr for me. So we're going to die for you. Uh, all this is amazing, right? And so now he's taken up, verse uh, 9, in, in front of their eyes. And a cloud comes down and, and he gets on this cloud and he disappears. And they're like this. Really? 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 
Did you see him? He's gone. Did you see him? He's up. Gone, right? Well, look at verse 10. They were looking intentionally up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, beside the disciples. While they're looking up, two men dressed in white appear beside them, the disciples. So the disciples looking up, two guys show up in white robes or whatever, right? Watch this now. Uh, and he said, he said to them, men of Galilee, here's a great question. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? Hmm. Why do we stand here looking in the sky? The same Jesus you see leaving will come back again, they go on to say. Okay, uh, because we spent three and a half years following him around and we thought he was going to establish the kingdom and we are like, okay, um, what does this mean? Right? What does this mean? You ever had that moment? Huh? You ever, you ever, you ever, you ever had that moment? Um, I don't, I hesitate to say the word, but, but there's a show called Punked. Have you ever heard that word? Okay, I'm sorry. Hold on, hold on. And you just want to go, have we been duped? Have we been, you know, hey, I mean, what's happening? He's leaving. Guys in white talking. Um, what's happening? It's, it's, it's just, it's, even though he's kind of warned them, he said it over and over again. You know, I must leave. I can't stay. You know, they're going to kill me. I'm going to rise from the dead. He's, and all this stuff has happened. But there are times when no matter what you heard, you have an expectation that overrides what you heard. You, you don't want to believe, okay, that Jesus said you're going to have trials and tribulations. You go, but when they show up, you go, no, no, wait, no, 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 no. I know I heard that, but I don't expect it. Like I thought you were just, you know, being symbolic or something or allegorical. I didn't think that you meant that I was going to really have a problem for real. Well, they, they're sitting there, and so here we are. So that brings up a big question. <laughs> I love this question. Are you where you plan to be in life right now? This is not where these guys plan to be. This is not it. This is not it. This is not the plan. They did not go through all those years and all these sacrifices. And there's some of you who would say, God, preacher man, that's me. This is not it. This is not the marriage. This is not the money. This is not it. And here's the second question you might ask yourself. Why are you not where you thought you would be? Why are you not there? Okay, so you can make up reasons. My husband, my cat, my dog, but, but why? Here's, here's my personal answer. I, I, if you ask me, you say, Ricky Temple, are you where you thought you would be? My answer would be, I am in some ways and not in others. In some ways, I, it worked out. Um, and in and, and other ways, it didn't. I... I uh, I have both experiences. God's been incredibly good to me. But there are some things I expected that didn't work out. So what I did is I'm going to put on the screen for you. I'm going to tell you, this is my little statement summarizing what I thought my life, what I expected my life to be. Here we go. Read this. Depending upon where you start my experience, expectation clock rather, would determine where I expect it to be. When I was 18, I thought I would be in law enforcement, specifically the LAPD. And eventually, the FBI, maybe the CIA. I never dreamed to be a preacher, manager, married, or a public speaker. Ever. I want to be really clear. That was my dream. 
I watch too many police shows, too much stuff. <laughs> and I wanted to be in that world. Now, I've had the privilege of knowing people in those worlds, and I'm pretty sure that wasn't God's calling for me or the best step for me. For them, yes. For me, no. For all kinds of reasons. Why? When I get the privilege of doing orientations, and I've been privileged to do orientations for police officers and uh, training and as a community uh, spokesman, and uh, I've taught some classes with uh, police officers, done some workshops, and, and it, when I say to them, I'm supposed to be on this side and you guys are on that side, and they'll say, there's always one guy that said, why? Why wasn't this good for you? Well, because I'm not, I, I have other gifts and desires in my life. And I'm going to tell you one of the hard things for police officers, by the way, if you're watching, ready, is knowing when you need to leave, when it's time to get out. You know, you, you cost a lot of emotional points. And there's a time when you need to say, I've done this long enough. I need to find my next breath of air. I need to find my life. And I think that's true in any career. But specifically in that one where you, you carry a heavy load. Sometimes your family's carried it a long time. Sometimes your kids have. Sometimes you need to save yourself. But that's another subject. Here we go. Let's move on. Let me let me give you what I call four reasons. Uh, uh, four reasons it was the wrong time for Christ to set up his kingdom. So let me talk about that. And I think there were things they wanted and expected, but the Lord knew, no, this isn't the time. Let me give you four reasons. You read number one. The world was not ready for Christ. He had to wait for me to be born. I need to be saved. I need a chance to live. So the world was not ready. Sometimes it's just not the time. It wasn't, you know, the time for an iPad in 1920. It wasn't the time. There's a timing issue. My timeline is my timeline. That's not necessarily the best timeline for everybody involved. Number two, they were not mature enough. They, they just, the disciples were not mature enough uh, for God's bigger plan to reach the world. Matthew 28, 19. They were not ready to go into all the world and preach the gospel. It, it, they just weren't. And you'll see why more of that in just a minute. Number three, they were too racially insensitive to reach everyone. Acts chapter 10 is a great study. It, it's when, when the Lord sends Peter to Cornelius' house to say, hey, look, Gentiles have a place in the kingdom. Acts chapter 10 is great. So from A.D. 30 to about A.D. 40, when you get to Acts chapter 10, that's where that is. They're about you got about 10 years in there. It took 10 years from the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Christ to the first day Peter went to Cornelius' house to win a Gentile to God. It took him 10 years to get there. Think about that. 10 years. They weren't ready. There's no way Jesus could establish a kingdom with people with that mindset. And if you look around you today and you see what you see Christians doing and some of the things we are. <laughs> oh, help me. I'm almost out of breath. Some of the things we say, some of the things we're preaching, some of the things that people are doing. I'm going some of the political decisions. I'm not, I'm not picking sides. I'm just making a point. And, you know, hey, listen, I'm, I'm just saying there are moments when I'm going, all right, Christians, you need to be referees. You need to kind of stop trying to just, you know, watch yourself. I mean, but but part of our in part of our. Oh, God. Part of our lostness in this is that we don't have the ability to see how racially insensitive, gender insensitive we are 
and how long it takes for God to get us to places. Ten years from the death of Christ to Cornelius's front door took that long. It took almost five years in Acts chapter five to get them to leave Jerusalem. Almost five years. They were dancing around talking about the Pentecost and Pentecost and Pentecost and Holy Spirit fell and tongues came and whoo God is good. You know, going to the temple and hanging out. A lot of people were struggling financially because they didn't come prepared to stay. In Acts chapter two, you had these thousands of people who stayed in Jerusalem. So, you know, they had to resituate their finances. People had to live with people. It was a, it was a lot going on. You know, there's a lot going on. Selling stuff, trying to find money to help these people who all moved in. You know, you have had all these people move in all of a sudden, coming to God. And then persecution came within took five years. But finally, because of persecution, because of the Apostle Paul, they you know, well, Saul at the time, they finally left and scattered where they went back home. It took five years. If you go to Acts chapter 15, oh boy, this gets more interesting. It took another 10 years. Before they could even have a conference about it, about racial tensions. They want the Gentiles, can the Gentiles, can you be a Christian without being Jewish in your culture? Can you be a Gentile who loves God? And that's in Acts chapter 15. That's 20 years from the death of Christ. Here's my big point. It took a long time for God to move them from one stage to the next stage. And that's why he couldn't establish his kingdom. One of the reasons, because he it took it takes a while to get us on board. You know, there's a verse I love. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. That great verse, without faith. Do you know something? If you just read it this way, without faith, it's impossible. Stop right there. That's exactly why God can't do a lot of things, because we don't have confidence in his way. We have faith in our own way, but not in his way. And so it's, it's impossible. They were slow to grow and change. And so because they were, it just wasn't time yet. Sometimes you expect something from God, but you're not ready for it. You're asking God for all these things. I want a husband. I want a wife. You don't even like your dog. You don't know how to get along with your cat yet. You're kicking your cat. How do you want a child? You, you know, you don't get along with people. You know, you don't you don't play well with others. I mean, you want God to give you wealth and you can't manage a thousand dollars. How are you going to manage a hundred thousand? I mean, there's there's sometimes we're not ready for what we want. So now let me make this personal. Let me bring myself into this. So I'm not just talking about you. OK, I'm in this, too. Here we go. Let me talk about why I wasn't ready. Five reasons. It was the wrong time for me. To receive God's best years ago. I wanted God's best. I prayed, Lord, I prayed. I wanted the church to grow really fast. And I'm glad <laughs> it did grow fast. But I, it, you know, there are times that God has to give you a chance to change. And there are five things wrong with me. You ready? Here we go. Number one. It, I had too many what I call um, superhero ideas in my head. I had ideas in my head about people that I didn't know. And I had assumptions about preachers. Oh, he's anointed. Oh, there's the power of God. Oh, but I didn't know that man. I didn't know him or his family or his children. I had not been around him. One thing about Jesus, Jesus was around people. You could tell he wasn't phony. What we do is we admire people we don't see. We don't we don't look at the up close zoom in part. And I'm not saying you got to see everything about their life. But there's there's something about not having superhero ideas. I love Marvel comics. I love all that stuff. 
And I understand how fun it is to fantasize and dream about people like Superman who can fly, because you know, that's what made it connect with all of us. You want to believe there's a hero. I hate, you know, I hate, I hate a superhero movie where the hero gets beat up all the time. I just, well, I cut it off. I, he if he gets beat up two or three times, I, I, look, I want him to chop him down fast. Pow! Get, get, get rid of him. <laughs> that's what I want. I want him to win fast. I don't want no wimpy leader. Super, I want a superhero. Fly boy, don't be crashing either. I want to see you do it. If you're in it, do it. Anyway, but I, but I had a lot, of, whew, a lot of images in my head that God had to guide me through that were wrong and that would hinder me because I put my faith in the wrong people. I, I, you, some of you do that. You, you, <laughs> some of you go to the beach and say, Lord, have mercy. Mm, look at that girl. Look at her. Look at her legs shining. This is beautiful hair. Flip it one time and just go whoop out in place. But she wicked. You don't know that girl? She got pretty legs and feet, but that's your kicky with those feet. You don't know that woman? You got the superhero stuff in your head about them men with the big muscles and, and they got a lot of money. Yeah, but he's so wicked. He can't be faithful. You know, he'll bring you all kind of problems to your house. You don't need that, brother. You know, you, you, you may you have a lot of images in your head and sometimes you're not ready for God's best because of the way you think. My first problem, a lot of superhero ideas I had to get rid of. Number two, I had too many economic lies. Boy, buried in my head. Whoo, Lord, about debt, cash, income, margins and and. Sometimes God can't give you money, give you the opportunity, the business you want, because you're just not ready. You're just not ready. You're not the kind of person who can economically manage large amounts. You flip out right now. Just when they give you a stimulus check, you already got a plan. You already went and bought the biggest TV they got at Best Buy someplace. You get your tax return back. You already plan that, too. You can't hold on to money. How can God trust you with millions of dollars? Your, your, your definitions of margins are too low. Mine was, well, I got a thousand dollars. I'm rolling, man. I got a thousand, I got a thousand dollars. I got a thousand dollars. Man, praise God. Thousand dollars. Man, you. <laughs> How about a hundred thousand? How about that? What'd you say, Temple? Who got a hundred thousand dollars that you know? See, I'm trying to say that that's that's the, that's our level of thinking. You got a big dream, but your vision, your margins, your thinking, they're, they're, there's financial blocks in there that hinder God from blessing you. And if God loves you, he won't give you what you ask for because he knows what you'll do with it. Put yourself in more bondage. Number three. Watch this. I had a shallow appreciation for the power of education. I just wanted to pass. See, see, I, I, and I'm not trying to throw shade on my mama and my family, but my mama, just, you need to make sure you don't fail nothing. And I didn't. I oh, don't fail anything. Just pat. You got to get, you know, that was a C was okay. Hey, it's okay. And that, you know, it, it, it served me okay. That I, I grew out of that mindset because that becomes a family cultural mindset. Just as just, just, long as you can read, as long as you can just get, just get a little bit. So how can God give you greater vision? You're not willing to pay the academic price. Some of you students, I'm going to say this in love. You're too lazy to get God's best. You're too, you're too distracted. 
You so in love every week with somebody else. Girl, you got these men all in your mind. You need to get your studies in your mind. You have 48 months to get out of this school. You need to get out of this school. You need to get yourself focused, sister girl, you know, rolling around and, and kicking boots. I won't say any more than that. And that's your focus. You're not focusing on where you're going. And you need to focus on where you're going because you end up. Hmm. Wow. Try to catch that thought. <laughs> it was flying out. Had to catch it. Bring it back. I know people. I know young girls. I said this way. Who were in college and had to stop college because they got pregnant. I know girls who had to give up everything. The guy was fine. He went on with his life. But you will have to pause the emotional damage you carry. You got to value and appreciate education. I have more education now than I ever expected. Over 10 years, college education. I mean, man, that's a lot. You know, I should know a little something. Problem is, when you, once you get a lot of education, <laughs> you know what you find out? How much you don't know. <laughs> that's what you learn, you know. I just I just find it to be amazing to me how how much education changed my life. And I just if you have a chance to get it, value it. But God had to wait until I was willing, you see, because in order to do what he wants me to do, it will require a little bit of knowledge. A little bit of discipline. And then my last one. I had not encountered many five level people. Many five level people, level five people. Um, I, 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 there's something about being around people that are higher than you. You're here and they're up here. Level five people. Um, there are books written about this. There are studies about how you, you get to that next level. I, I, I needed to get around people that were better than me. Who in your circle is better than you? Who knows more, who's smarter, who works harder, they have more money, um, they, they, they inspire you to be better. Who, who are those people? You need those kind of people in your life. Man, I'm telling you, once I got around those kind of people, it changed me. And God wanted me to cross ethnic boundaries. I, you know, you need to be around some good old white people. Some good old black people, Asian people, Hispanic people, good people. Man, boy, you need to get around some good old Spanish people. Hey, man, they got some Latin people. They got power. <laughs> they do. They, oh, my goodness. Wow. You know, you need to get you around a good old somebody from Brazil, somebody from good old Portuguese. But you need to meet some people from London. You need to meet some people from Africa. There's something about being around people who pull you up culturally, broaden your perspective. People from different parts of the country, from the East Coast, the West Coast, there's something about those exposures that lifted me. And God had to, God waited until I could get around other people who would lift my vision. It wasn't always my American way or my African-American way or my Christian way, my, my way of seeing everything. Through one lens. Republicans need to be Democrats. Democrats need to be Republicans. Need to meet Republicans and independents. And we need to, need to all hear each other. Everybody. 
Poor men need to be rich men. Rich men need to be around poor men. Man, fat people need to be around skinny people, and skinny people need to be around fat people. Nothing like good, good, chunky friends. You need some. You need somebody in your life who's not like you, who inspires you to lose weight, who inspires you to muscle up, who inspires you to be stronger. That's what you needed. And so God couldn't give me what I wanted because I wasn't ready. Are you? That's the question. I close with this thought. <laughs> um, I was emotionally trained to be um, defeated in some ways. I wasn't given what I call a licensed. I was not licensed to, to um, succeed at a high level. I was, I was trained to admire and not to become. There's a difference. So I had too many superhero ideas. I had too many economic lives in my head. I had shallow appreciation for education. I had not encountered many level five people. And then I was not emotionally, that's important, licensed to succeed at a high level. I wasn't emotionally licensed. People around me would mock me. What are you doing? You're trying to be smart? What are you doing? You, you know, cut those people loose. Ignore them. You, you need to understand that you need to have your own license. This is important. TV didn't license me. <laughs> they trained me to admire them. So I was trained to admire, not to become. You know, music trained me to admire the music. I used to always want to sing like somebody. I was always trying to, you know, you know, you ever do that? Just, 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 and you know, you tearing it up, but you're not. You just, just the music playing in your ears. You playing. You can't sing that good. And I, I and I'm not saying it's wrong to admire somebody, but. I, I, in some ways, some of us live, live with that need to somehow, I don't know, admire and not be. We want to watch the life of the rich and famous and admire their homes and admire them and not clean, clean up your cabin. Your house a mess and you're watching the life of the rich and famous and their houses are spotless. Clean up your, cut that off and clean up your house. We were trained by sports to admire people that can run fast and you don't even walk. You're sitting there watching somebody run and you're on the football field and you got a beer in one hand and your belly's out to here. I'm not trying to mock you, mock you. I'm just making a point. You ain't, you ain't even trying to take care of yourself. And you want us to look at him, boy, he's in shape. That's what I'm talking about. What about you? I, I, I spend too much of my time admiring people. And lastly, <laughs> friends and family. This is interesting. I found that sometimes friends and family, when you start doing well, and this is a really interesting thought. They, they, they admired me sometimes maybe too much. And they didn't push me. Maybe you're that person in your family. You're admired, but you're not pushed. You surround yourself with people that admire you. Family and friends can hinder you sometimes because you only hang around people that admire you. They only compliment you. They don't challenge you to be better. Every now and then you need to pause. Look at your expectations and say, is the timing off because I've been off? And it's time for me to, to gather myself. My time is up. I got to pray for you. Let's pray. Father, I pray for people today who've been disappointed. Their timing's been off. They're not ready for what they've asked for, but let them get ready. They can get ready starting today, looking at these items we've talked about and rethinking their life. And lastly, I want to pray for those who are listening who don't know Christ, who say, you know, it's time for me, Pastor, to hear what you said about my walk with God. 
oh, man, it's time for me. I couldn't come to God before now because I wasn't ready. I was too busy partying and going and doing and I wasn't thinking about you. So, Lord, let this be that moment. They say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. And Father, we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus name. Amen. Well, I hope this helped you today. Think about the things you've been frustrated about, your expectations. You wanted things maybe and you just weren't ready for it. Maybe that's why you didn't get it. So what you need to do is get ready. It's time for you to pause and throw out some of your superhero ideas like I had and say, maybe I need to focus my attention and really begin to apply myself so God can give me what I want in life and what he thinks is best. And maybe it's time for me to rethink it all. So let me pray for you today. Father, I pray for those today who've listened to this message and said, you know, I need to, I need to make sure that I'm willing to change. I need to make sure that I'm open in my heart, that I see where my skills are. I see where I'm not. I see the people I need in my life. And maybe there are some things I can do to allow you, to invite you, to give me the things that are best for me. And so, Father, I thank you for this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, it's been a joy to be with you today. Thank you for sharing with me. I pray this blessed you. If this sermon blessed you, link it, send it to a friend. Help somebody you know that's frustrated with their expectations. It might be a blessing to them. I'll see you next time. My name is Pastor Ricky Temple. Have a great day.